it's one of these things that you have to learn to walk before you can run. So you have to slow things right down, really feel the water, really learn everything you can, you know, before you even pick up that speed. So this period of training is, is we're trying to keep the sprinting there, but also really learn the body and, and the relationship with the water. And the best way to do that is to slow things down. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. He's Dr. John Mullen, and we've got the reigning world and Commonwealth champ in the 50 free, Ben Proud, and coach of Aloha Aquatica, Elliot Tasnick. What's going on, guys? How are you? Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, well, so first I just wanted to, a uh, couple quick short ones, uh, rapid fire to get us started. Ben, who uh, would win in an arm wrestling match, you or Adam Petey? Uh, Petey, for sure. <laughs> you see this all the time, it makes me look like a child. <laughs> <laughs> you give it up that easily. Well, now I got to ask, was it you or Flo Manadu? Oh, Flo. <laughs> I mean, <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a swimmer, not a springman. And these guys are <laughs> I don't know, man. You look pretty jacked. Uh, Elliot, what is the most eye-rolling, like, typical sprinter thing you've ever seen someone do? Like, Gary Hall used to be famous for uh, d wading around in an inflatable raft during taper while everyone else was swimming laps. What's the most, like, typical thing you've ever seen a sprinter do? Hot tub. <laughs> Love the hot tub. Uh, but especially with these with these sprinters that are 50 swimmers, we try to keep our our max efforts around anywhere like six to eight seconds. And that's kind of a, a, a target point for us is, um, you know, a lot of 15 meter sprints. Again, throwing in as a season and training plan goes on some longer things, but just six seconds going for it. Man, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to what's that um, what's that movie where like you can do it. Anybody can do an ab workout in, in six minutes, <laughs> like seven minute abs. <laughs> That's what I feel like is happening. Um, cool. Well, Elliot, uh, tell us about what the model is with Aloha Aquatica. I mean, I've heard like several pros that have been out there training in their camps. Where are you guys? What is what's happening there? And um, obviously, we'll, we'll get to Ben in your camp and and what brought you there. But Elliot, from your side, like, give us the take on what's what's going on in this operation in Hawaii. Well, here in Hawaii, it's a pretty special place, especially if within the aquatic community. Just having the the ocean, the marine life, kind of the whole spirituality of of the islands. Um, we practice at the Kapolei Aquatic Center on the west side of Oahu, and a beautiful fifty meter pool there. And we specialize in 50 and 100 swimmers, especially 50. And just throughout, I met Ben this summer through the competitions over in Europe. And, you know, we're talking and it seems like a lot of these sprinters are almost lone wolves, right? They're, they're off kind of doing their own thing. So to put together, um, you know, some, some high performance sprinters to share ideas, uh, to get together, do some training. And we almost call it more of like an experience camp than a training camp because we'll do three or four workouts in the pool, but then also three or four workouts in the ocean. Like mm -hmm. uh, we're joking, ben, ben did like a 4K swim the other day. He's like, I haven't done that much in eight years. But you're in the ocean and you hear the whales under the water, or a shark might pass you by. And it's like, you know, just a, a great experience uh, for somebody that, you know, maybe resetting or needs um you know, starting a new training period, uh, 
looking for something different. We've had athletes stay three weeks. We have them stay three months. There's no real commitment. It's just whatever works best for each individual. Is there a club component too at all that's kind of underneath this or is it just this uh, kind of pro uh, visit on occasion model? Um, it started actually with kids as an experience camp. So coming and doing, you know, things with uh, our friend Aaron Pearsall is here and he's a lifeguard and doing beach sprints and ocean swims and body surfing and then doing some training in the pool. And um, so, you know, the, there's the pro aspect of it, but I wouldn't define that's all Aloha Aquatica is. It's an experience camp. I think our next little project will be for master swimmers. Oh, I love that. Master swimmers don't really know how to sprint, but master's coaches sure know how to write fast on everything with the assumption that everyone's actually going to go hard. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> um, so, Ben, tell us how, how it's gone for you. First, first time in Hawaii? What's, uh, what, how's, how's the trip been? How's the training going? Yeah, I mean, we're three weeks in, and uh, I have my flight on Sunday which I'm not going to be on. I've uh, extended my trip out because it's, it's just been too good. I mean, like Elliot said, we met in the summer and, uh, you know, during the man streams, you get a lot of invitations to come out to different places. And when Elliot offered a trip out to Hawaii, you know, I was like, you know, that could be really cool. And then he put together this club that came across in October, November, which I wanted to come to, but I just couldn't, couldn't work out the timings and it was all, all a bit off. So reached out again and said, like, you know, how about February? So the position I'm in right now is a bit of a strange one. Um, I'm starting this whole new section of the next 18 months leading up until Paris. And the really key thing about this is having to be in the right, the right mindset, you know, a good energy and just like being able to continue this journey on for 18 months. So coming out here was a bit of a, a bit of a, like Elliot says, a, a reset, you know, coming back after a bit of a hectic summer, a lot of racing um, away from the winter in Europe and, and just, yeah, just being out here. And I didn't really know what to expect, um, but I can tell you that being here has just completely changed, you know, my frame of mind and the way I think about swimming. And it has brought back that, you know, my childhood passion of the water. Um, kind of we're in the ocean a couple of times a week, we're in the pool, we're, you know, we're, we're doing different things and it's just like every time in the water i'm just like this is amazing <laughs> so yeah i mean the energy here is brilliant and and you know it's gonna be tough to leave but it's serving a purpose and you know elliot brought tony out as well so we've been having these you know great discussions um about swimming about sprinting and just you know for me being 28 still learning uh, that's all part of the process yeah, you mentioned the energy there and, like you said, getting that love back after a, a hectic schedule. When you are, like you said, working on building that energy back, what are some of the different elements other than the things in the pool you're, you're trying to do? Well, so the thing about sprinting is we don't need to be in the water 10 times a week. We don't need to be swimming up and down, getting you know, five, six K in. So what we can do is in is change a pool session to a, to a beach session where we go body surfing or ocean swimming or, you know, anything. But the key thing is we're, we're in the water once or twice a day. 
sometimes three times. That's happened. <laughs> um, and it's just, you know, taking the pressure off. There's no, there's no, there's nothing we have to do. Um, there's a few key things we have to do a week just to tick the box, but there is no obligation to get you know, 20k a week or, you know, have much training done. Mm. And that really just lets the mind gain a new perspective about what the next steps are and what, you know, what we're really going to work on the next two years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect coming out here, but jumping into the water my first day and hearing the whales underneath was pretty awesome. And then just since then, it's just been getting better every day. Yeah, when I hear, you know, the, the frequency of touching the water, it's always something I'm curious with swimming, just like, you know, it's such a, um, you know, abnormal activity in the pool, even elite swimmers, right? We're not as good as dolphins or whales that you're finding out in the water. So having those frequent exposures is, I think, so helpful. But often we, you know, dread going back for double practice or things like that, especially as a sprinter. So it's great to hear you kind of, like you said, looking forward to going back to the water, even if it's the ocean, the pool, whatever. So I can, uh, like you said, it sounds like the energy and the, the mental state is moving in the right direction for this next 18 months for you. Yeah. And so my, my current position right now is, um, since last year, I've kind of made a new change to my training schedule. And I work with lots of people, you know, uh, James Gibson specifically, my, my coaching mentor in the water. But a lot of the time, I'm actually by myself, doing my own coaching, writing my own sessions. So that love in the water really has to be there. Because if it isn't, then the discipline goes and, you know, you end up not training. So this for me is like, ultra important to be able to keep that that passion there have you always been on your own training like that i mean it, it sounds like there are a few people throughout history have been similar to this i mean i feel like i mean i brought up gary hall earlier and he was a lot on his own jason lezak was on his own a lot um michael andrew is completely on his own now what's uh and i, I would find that to be like pretty tough to stay motivated for like the really, really hard stuff. Cause sometimes, I mean, you talk about Elliot six to eight seconds of sprinting. Yeah. But do a hundred of them, you know, like if there's that many, or I don't know what the training is like, but you know, it, it can be a grind. Do you, what's, what do you see the advantages are for you to, to train by yourself and have you always done it by yourself? So the way my career has gone is I started out in Malaysia. And I spent about, I started when I was about 15 training properly. And it was just me and my coach there, me and Francis. And he instilled a, you know, a passion for the water in me at a young age, which, you know, that was my start of my career. So I was by myself at the start. And then I moved into a club program in Plymouth where there was, you know, a whole group of people, like some great friends, you know, great teammates. And that's really when I was training a lot harder, training for the hundred and, you needed people around you just to keep you going. Um, then moving to Energy Standard, where it was a little bit of a hybrid, like we had we had some of the best sprinters and athletes in the world. Um, but James would still write programs specific for each individual. So we would be in the water, you know, next to next to Flo, next to Sarah, next to you know all these guys, with a unique session for yourself. But we're still racing head to head, so it was like a bit of both. And I, I just realized last year that, you know, for me, my, my strengths are being able to get into my mind and, and really work on the small details. 
and sometimes you need to just be alone in the water uh, to get to that point. Um, so I found a lot of value in being by myself last year. And I think now it, it, it's in this strange place where, like you say, you need people around you sometimes just to keep you going. And we did the sprint set last week and Elliot's on Paul's side, Tony's in the lane next to me and we're just, you know, cracking through 15s all out. And uh, having that dynamic of, you know, input from people and um, someone to race, like it, it gives you that edge. Um, so I think for me, the next two years would be a, a hybrid of you know being alone at some point and then also being together with people. Um, speaking of speaking of Tony and, um, you know, back to the conversation about the all of the sprinting talking that happens behind the scenes in between, you know, touches in the water. Elliot, what are these conversations like? What are what's being talked about? What's what's the what's the secret sauce of um, you know a relationship with the water and like sprinting specific to fifty guys? We've been uh, it's some of the most interesting conversations I've ever had in the sport of swimming. I've been with these two guys in our thirty minute drives together, and uh, you know just through their experiences, the highs, the lows, their influences, um, anything from mental health and meditation to big competitions. And we've also been uh, calling George Bavel every week. And so between the mentorship of uh, Tony and George, I think we've, we've just learned so much. Yeah. So um, quick uh, aside is George Bavel is how um, I'm in this room today because uh, George was my college teammate at Auburn. When I moved to California, George called me and said, hey, I'm in town. Uh, you got to come out with me to dinner with my buddy Luke. Luke picks me up, and uh, Luke and I have been friends for almost 10 years now, and here I am in his house uh, hanging out for a week. So uh, love love George Bavel, and it's been interesting to see him as an adult grow into uh, a lot of the wisdom and, um, you know, all of the all of the advice that he can offer uh, on that front so um that's really cool to hear uh john you had a question about the training yeah before that i mean obviously george is a very very cerebral guy we've talked with him and like you said having these discussions has been you know very unique it sounds like ben do you feel like these types of conversations should be done at more the club or earlier on in athletes careers than necessarily at the elite level, or it takes a certain amount of, you know, specialty to really take this seriously and uh, really get the benefit from it. I mean, when I was, when I was 15, 16, my coach was always talking about different routes in swimming, um, different philosophies, different ideas. So for me, I, I, I did start young and George is very cerebral, but also, you know, that's also the way I work as well, is always thinking, analyzing, and looking into swimming in a different way. Um, so, yeah, I think that it can benefit some people, um, maybe not everyone. You know, for me, if, you, if you're able to be introspective and to, to analyze yourself and, and be aware, then I think all these conversations that can benefit them. So the, you know, the introverts or the, the quiet ones in the group, this can really play to their strengths. Um, some people, you know, might might blow it off, and it doesn't 
mean much to them. But you know, for some, at the right time, the right place, it, it can be really valuable. And I'm 28, and I thought I knew most of what I knew. But you know, these past three weeks have really just throwing me back into that into that book, and like I'm learning again, and it's it's, it's amazing. Yeah, there's always a lot to learn in the sport of swimming and on the swimming science or just the science of physiology. Swimming has some things that we're, I think, more advanced on, but some things we're still behind on. And I think sprint swimming is one of those physiologically in training and particularly for the 50 we're a little behind on. And Elliot, you mentioned these short, you know, five to six meters, things like that. Some coaches and people in the sport will hear that and think that's absurd or not truly necessary. But what types of benefits have you seen implementing such short training? And maybe give us an example of some sort of sets and how you implement it with some of these elite sprinters. It's kind of a fine balance of, of pushing hard, but not getting to the point of breakdown. Um, you know, a lot of these athletes are very big and strong. And if we, if we go past that line, it's going to take a week or two to get back. So it's really, you know, like uh, – this is the first time Ben's been sprinting this this season, this year so far. And so we've been, you know, just building these 15 meter sprints, you know, five to 10 to 15, and then seeing where maybe that, that breakdown point, whether it's in the stroke or the mind is. And then, you know, if it was at number eight last week, let's, uh, let's pay, pay special attention between eight and 12 in the next week. And then, you know, in that symmetry or the spacing of the stroke breaks down, it's like, okay, why? And then it's just, let's hit a reset button. Let's think about that. Um, but, you know, I think for them, I mean, a lot of swimmers talk about taper, but I think for these pure sprinty, sprinter 50 swimmers, it's like more refining and focusing on the details to where the load never gets too big that they just have to couch it for a week or two. Um, that sound about right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, throughout the season, you always want to be working close to top end speed, and you're not never going to get that if you're just completely drained and fatigued. Um, so I've experienced a lot of times where we just get pushed a little bit too far, and and things just deteriorate. And if you're unable to work on, you know, the right stroke at the right tempo at the right speed, then it's there's no value. I mean, or very little value. So you can work very smart and just you know, be very specific and analyze it and, and not overdo it. And you actually get a lot more out of the process. So right now our schedule is pretty much three times in the pool. Um, two of them are after a lift and it could be anywhere just from 500 to 800 yards. And that's our, that's our play time. So that's when Tony's, you know, showing us these new drills that he just completely made up. Uh, back when he was working on something in his stroke in like 2011 mm -hmm. uh, they got funny names and it's just seeing Ben do them and um, to see their awareness like some of these drills like it would take me six months to try to get it down right and then Ben on his first or second try has got it so it's pretty impressive kind of the body awareness and the movement of the water that these guys are familiar with yeah. so two lifts two play sessions and then, uh, and then one sprint session a week, and then everything outside of that is ocean, uh, meditation, yoga, casual conversations. We were talking to Bruno Frattis uh, a few weeks back, and 
He said that he does all of his technique training at speed. And it sounds like what you guys are describing is a good bit of feel for the water coming from slower speed stuff. What do you think about those kind of two schools of thought and developing technique at a slow speed, uh, you know, and, and how that applies when you're moving at top speed, Ben? Well, so in about two or three months, I'm going to be bringing back what the type of stuff Bruno does, you know, working technique at more speeds. We bring in the fins, we, we swim distance cycle work and we're really focusing on that stuff. So I, I do see value in that, you know, moving at the right speed, but also being very focused. Um, but it's one of these things that you have to learn to walk before you can run. So you have to slow things right down, really feel the water, really learn everything you can, you know, before you even pick up that speed. So this period of training is, is we're trying to keep the sprinting there, but also really learn the body and, and the relationship with the water. And the best way to do that is to slow things down. Um, and that's how I did things, you know, right at the start of my career. And it's one bring back now. So, um, but it's enjoyable because Tony is to me, probably the best swimmer in the water. You know, when he was around 2012, 2016, like it was very normal that people would say his swimming speed is, is the best. Um, I also see him as one of the greatest minds in sprinting, but, you know, seeing him in the water demonstrating his drills that he's created is so cool because he's obviously spent a lifetime working with the water to get to this place. Mm -hmm. Me, who's also spent my lifetime working in the water, to see someone so advanced and thinking about things so uniquely is such a yeah, such an inspirational thing. And um, you know, it's funny, I, I was questioning one of the drills and like saying it's super advanced, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm an Olympic champion. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really like a, I had to nod my head and be like, you're right. That's <laughs> Too how, how good I think I am. He's, he's, he's been there, he's done it, he's experienced it. And he's, uh, you know, he, he knows only what a very few people know. So is there any way that you can describe what that drill was? Uh, without a without a picture picture of it um some of it's like you know spinning through the water with a great reach and body line some of it is um upside down or backwards it's it's really just uh very different or you know swimming at an angle um yeah very unique but during these play sessions what we've been talking about is slow is smooth and smooth is fast and that's kind of the goal of these these drills and just getting as swimming as big as we can holding as much water be smooth then be fast ben i wanted to ask about sort of the progression in your career to swim the hundred and then now it seems like for the most part not swim the hundred and you know and i actually think this pertains to some learnings from tony too and if you've picked up anything from him on this, because, you know, I, I would look at him and maybe history would look at him and say both a 50 and hundred freestyle guy. And of course he is like, so you know, a medalist in, in the hundred and, um, but individually, you know, two-time champ in the 50 free and uh, maybe the fastest guy perhaps ever, you know, outside of the walls. But 
one of the things that seems to really stand out when you watch Tony swim is his free speed and his ability to, and I think perhaps that's what made him really successful in the hundred is he had top end speed as a 50 guy, but he was able to translate that to really good hundred freestyles with a really high uh, ability to swim at a really high speed, but without putting out the effort that prevented him from swimming a, a fast back end. And that's really freaking hard to do. Really hard to do. Is there, is that something that you've experienced in your journey with, with the hundred freestyle in terms of like, cause you have, you have all the top end speed that Tony has, but those finishing the hundred is really hard to do when you're swimming at that speed on the front end. So I'm curious, like, have you picked up anything from him? Has that been a struggle for you at all with the hundred to the point that you said, you know what, like, it just doesn't align with me. My strength is this top end speed. It's not, it's sacrificial to my success in the 50 end to like even mess with trying to do that in, in the hundred, or I just don't know how to swim easy enough to be able to finish it. So what's, what are your thoughts on that? So I'll, I'll start with Tony. And I think, I think Ellie mentioned this or, or Tony had, but, he very much he trained for the hundred but planned for the 50. so he had the ability to to go longer and 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 do it but his mental focus was a 50. Hmm. and the thing with tony is that he's probably got the best affinity with the water that i've seen definitely in sprinting you know his ability to move and create and flow he's he's a waterman he's he lives and breathes water and this is where sprinting becomes very, you know, very undervalued. People think that sprinting has to be strong and, and heavy and you thrash through the water. But actually, when you get to this, when you get to this top end limit of, you know, trying to get to 21 lows, it com becomes much more about how graceful you are with the water. You know, how, how much water can you move without, you know, fighting against it? And so Tony's demonstrates that, you know, day in, day out when he's, when he's in the water. Um, as for me, like I, so my background is I started swimming in Malaysia and my only, my only, only goal was to become world champion in 50 butterfly. You know, I wasn't a freestyler. I wasn't hundred swimmer, but then moving to England and moving to Plymouth it, very quickly, we had to have this discussion that, you know, I had to choose either the 53 or the hundred fly. So I chose the 53 and with choosing the 53, it meant to qualify for the teams uh, in the British team. They wouldn't take me if I was just a 50 swimmer, if I just saw the 53. Their qualifying times were always completely you know, out there. But the way I could qualify was getting onto it through a relay in the 100. So coming first or second in Britain and 100 free. So I had about four years where I had, had to train the hundred it wasn't it wasn't my choice it wasn't my passion um it never was but i had to do it purely to get there so i can swim the 50 swim the 53 swim the 50 fly and it took a long time to get to a position where i could say you know we're swimming i'm not doing the 100 you know i'm focusing on the 50 which is always my goal because more recently in the past kind of five years the 50 and 100 are just going completely different ways, uh, physiologically, mentally, technically. 
Um, there are studies I've seen that talk about the, the physiological um, energy systems that you have to use and the, mm -hmm. the difference of the 50 and the 100 are completely different, whereas the 100 and 200 are actually very similar. Uh, so you see in Britain right now that the great 200 swimmers are now delivering great 100s because physiologically it's very, very similar. Mm -hmm. um, so I never had that passion for the 100, you know, every now and then it was good fun you know to to kind of grind it out and swim push your, push your body but it just didn't didn't sit well with me um so i i dropped it as soon as i could after 2016 and focused purely on the 50 because you know i i believe that technically you can't swim the same stroke in the 50 and the 100 and i mean physiologically i never had the background i never had that endurance as a kid and um, that worked out to be my strength in the 50, but a very big weakness in the 100. Yeah, I think it's all too common in, in swimming, right? You think, oh, we, we need to have multiple vents. Everyone, you need to be good at all these different things. You need to be able to swim up and swim down. And part of that might just from be from being on teams where you need to fill in different areas. But at a certain level, you have to call a spade a spade, and the 50 is way different. Than the hundred, and I think anyone that's been around the elite swimmers know this. But they, we still these square pegs and round holes, or, or make it all fit. So with your, you know, push more and more towards the fifty. What some technical things are you trying to continue to fine tune, or maybe like ditch the bad habits of that hundred free that's still maybe you know back in in you internally, or maybe. I mean, I, I think I'm lucky. I never really picked up any <laughs> habits, and that was my problem. I couldn't couldn't do the stuff that makes a good hundred. Um, but I, I just I try to analyze the fifty as deeply as possible, so to the finest details, whether it be the dive, the underwaters, breakouts, the, the the feel and flow of the water as you're swimming. And so I try to break that down to the smallest level, and then pick on the bits that I have to work on. Um, and it's individual, you know, my body is different to Tony's, which is different to Bruno, which is different to Flo. Everyone has a different relationship and it's, it's about being mindful and aware about how your body feels and how you can connect well with the water. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a forever ongoing journey because trying to get a better grasp of the water as you gain strength and, and power. And it's just this, you know, it's this battle to evolve as a swimmer. Yeah. And you mentioned analyzing every element, like you said, from the, from the start, the turn, I'm curious though, how much technological stuff are, are you using or how much of this is, you know, more internal and feel or feedback from Elliot or some of the other great swimmers that you're around in Hawaii? I can tell you that there is no technological tools that we use. We barely film, we barely do anything. The, the feedback loop is, what do I feel? What does Elliot or, or James or anyone on the pool side, what do they see? And then we discuss it. How does it work? But at the end of the day, I think it always comes down to the introspective or the, you know, that feel you have inside you, are you connecting? Does it look right? And yeah, that's that's why sprinting is becoming more of an art than a science because 
you can you can science it out all you want, but the really top end uh, sprinting comes from that that grace and flow that you can have in the water. No, I think you're right. I mean, the the art of it is huge, especially in a race like the 50, where you know it's no time for thinking, right? It's almost purely animal reaction and instincts, and having that you know the mental um, confidence as well to go through. So when you are working with Elliot and some of the other coaches, what are some of the, the terms you're kind of using and things to try to pick up on things? Because another element I think is, like you said, you can outscience and be like, oh, we need this angle and this, that, and the other, but that's not how people always get it. And that's not really maybe how you can improve some of these very hard to verbalize or. It's, it's very hard to verbalize. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to some of the conversations we have, they, they might sound like complete nonsense. But when you're there and you're in the moment and you're talking about it, it, it makes sense. And it, you, we find ways to, to get the internal world out there and discuss it. Um, but it's like what Elliot was talking about, about you know the, the breakdown during a session of sprinting. And you know sometimes it can look good, but it doesn't feel good. And so we have that discussion more like I felt I felt like I was breaking down and my stroke has fallen to bits. But Elliot would say it looked good, like it was still still swimming fast, he isn't hitting the times. Um, so having that balance of like it doesn't feel good, but it looks good is reassuring um, because the mind isn't always correct. The mind can get a little bit loose and, and make false judgments. Um, so that's why I like the team effort is always useful, good feedback, and but also good awareness in the water. How about with the clock? How much are you guys implementing that as well? Because obviously we can be very diligent on the clock and the, and the times, but perhaps that's not always the best indicator when you are learning some of these different changes. I think during the speed sessions, most of the time the clock is off. Um, so, you know, Ben and Tony can just really focus on what they need to do on the next repetition of whatever we're doing. Um, from the coaching perspective, you know, holding like a 1.0 tempo. And maybe if we're doing 10, 15 meter sprints and uh, we'll look at 8, 9, 10, make sure we're holding on there. Um, you know, swimming as big as you can is, is very important. I think, you know, if we're doing 10 efforts and there's a breakdown around 8, 9 or 10, it's like, well, that may happen around 30 or 40 meters in a 50. So like, how do we react uh, as an athlete mentally and physically when that happens? Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that, you know, nobody sprints right off the first cycle, but you know, the, the last 20 meters are probably the most important. And all you got to do really just is to maintain, just maintain. You don't need to, to think over speed the last 20 meters. And we talked a lot about uh, with this with Andre Govorov when he set the world record in the 50 fly between 25 to 35 to 35 to 45 was pretty much the exact same. You don't you don't need to overdo it. Uh, but it's also hard if you think about a, a 50 like a men's final. Right. There's this huge wave that they're pushing against the opposite wall and that will start going back against you the last 10 or 15 minutes so get or meters so again just kind of that that idea of maintaining from basically 30 meters to 50 meters hmm. 
What type of hypoxic work are you doing? Do, do you take a breath at all in the 50 bin? I never have. Never have. Um, the the breath holding side, the hypoxic side, you know, you can train up until a certain point. You can train it up until you can do a 50 with ease. And then anything past that is, you know, questionable. Um, but I've always believed that 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 is all mental because your body doesn't need oxygen in those 21 seconds. So it's your mind and your response that you get, which is telling you, I want to breathe. And you just have to kind of settle it down and say, like, you don't need to. You don't need to push through. Your, your body isn't going to collapse if you don't. Um, there is a certain element that we do, and, like, we do a lot of hypoxic training you know, every now and then. Um, but it's not the be-all and end-all. I think it's uh, it comes together with probably everything that we've been talking about in terms of the awareness of yourself and your body and being able to be introspective. And if you can do that, then you can quickly learn that that breath isn't isn't necessary. Um, some people might want it, and they might feel better when they have it, but it doesn't doesn't give you anything. I believe you're not you're not losing anything if you don't breathe. And uh, do you apply the same strategy to butterfly and freestyle on that? No breath? No breath. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I agree with Kendall. Sorry. Technically, I've never learned how to breathe in both of the strokes. <laughs> very, <laughs> very helpful. <laughs> so I use the snorkel Great. a lot. I never breathe when I can fly because I don't know how to. <laughs> I wish everybody had a start to swimming like you did. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what just go shorter go faster breathing don't worry about it you're you were a born sprinter son <laughs> that's fantastic yeah i i asked um about the butterfly because i felt for me personally there was a difference between freestyle and fly where um there was it wasn't mental but it was i felt like my hips and butterfly i felt like i had a benefit to my hips staying higher in the water if i got a breath 15 meters out um, so I would do it in butterfly, but not in freestyle because the race is just, you know, one and a half seconds longer or whatever. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, Elliot, ask you about, so with all the sprinters that you've worked with and some of the things uh, technically that they've been working on and working through as, uh, you know, you all have been working on how to gain a better feel for the water, how to swim big, how to be efficient at all of these points uh, sequentially in the race. What are, what are some of the challenges that you've seen some people have that they're trying to work through that are difficult for them to figure out a better feel for it. You know, me, for me personally, I remember working with David Marsh on trying to just trying to, trying to set the catch really early. And I compared to Fred Biscay and Cesar Cielo and where, and George Bavel for that matter, training the other, where they would catch the water was further and earlier than I felt like I was able to do. I could set a catch, but the catch was just lower. And for whatever reason, it was just tough for me to get that rhythm down. Um, is there anything technically that you've come across with a swimmer that's just been like really tough for them to figure out? And and also, how, what's the progression mentally for them to get through that? 
Um, well, I think with the, the sprint freestyle, a lot of it is focusing on that front third, just as you mentioned. So where it's almost you're lifting yourself up. And then once you get to about 45 degrees, it's on to the next stroke. And, um, you know, some people still like may like to swim, like pulling hard all the way through or past their hips. So it's kind of just that that front drive in front. And then, you know, each person is extremely unique. It's like Govorov would love just hammering uh, six seconds with a parachute full equipment. Whereas uh, a Tony would be like, why would I ever put anything on that would slow me down? So he's like anti-parachute. Hmm. And, and uh, just everybody's very different in those sort of respectives. I think Ben will sometimes use like a resistance cord but I think that's still a kind of a minimal part of his training. And I always thought it was just interesting when Tony would say, uh, you know, I, I would like to wear fins because they make you grow uh, six inches, but it still for him feels like resistance. So he's just like, why would I ever put anything on that would slow me down? Oh, interesting. So no power rack, like, you know, nothing, nothing resistance for you, Ben. No, we do, we do, um, underwater, we do some resistance work. We, okay. we find it really valuable and resistance skull. Um, we don't do much resistance swimming, maybe a little transfer, but um, the only reason why we do it is to get like a transfer into normal swimming. Yeah. Speaking of um, the underwater aspect of the race, what do you think about the progression of short course racing, especially in freestyle being, I mean, you won a silver medal in, in December next to Jordan Crooks, who's going really fast short course yards right now, is maxing out 15 meters. And actually on that same scene on the, well, both short meters and short yard side with Kate Douglas and some of the Virginia women and Gretchen, um, Gretchen Walsh and Maggie McNeil, like all of these people are really maxing out 15 meters. Actually, even in that same race in Melbourne, Dylan Carter maxed out 15 meters to win a bronze medal. Like, um, I would imagine most of your focus is still on the long course 50, and so it's less of a component to that race. But um, what are your thoughts on just, like, the progression of the importance of underwater in, in freestyle uh, as well as all the other strokes? And what component um, is it in your training? So we were speaking about this the other day uh, with Tony. Um about the underwaters and you know, there's been lots of different people who've tried to go short and you know shorten the underwaters get up and swim but for me ever since 2012 I'm watching flow uh flow swim from manadu um when he won you know he kicked to 14 meters and off the back of that we we looked at him and we're like you know this makes sense physiologically if you can get to 15 as quick as you can without having to swim then you've got so much more energy that, that last 35 meters and technically, it's easy to make the underwaters as quick as freestyle. Um, so it just makes sense to kind of maximize it. Um, and the, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's one of these things you, you, if you put time into it, you get better. And the more time you put, the better you get. Um, so I have, a, I've done a lot of underwater kicks in the past, but mainly just off the, off the dive, you know, the transfer of energy through the, the entry into the water to the breakout um that's been my most important thing so my kit doesn't really generate speed but it maintains speed uh on that so trying to get that right balance and 
of you know the kick but lacking resistance is my key component so trying to get further without losing any speed that dive. i think 15 meters for a for sprint 50s comes really quickly right this happens so it's almost like you have to intentionally get yourself up we were joking around the other day we we're like wouldn't it be cool if in the 50s you could go 20 meters off the start but the turns are still 15. <laughs> it's a slippery slope elliot <laughs> where does it end if we do that let's just let's just forget the rule entirely and go 35 you know screw it i want to see jordan crooks do a 50 short course on the water i reckon it'd be incredible <laughs> You got to dare him to do it. I'm sure it's been done off camera. Uh, what, Ben? What's the what's the most challenging thing for you right now? What are you working on that's got you like, I don't know, um, tech, either technically or just yeah, swimming wise. Maybe not perhaps as much on the mental side, but but technically speaking, on the swimming side, what are what are you working on that you see as your biggest area of opportunity for improvement that's got the majority of your attention when it comes to technique? So for me, it's the last 15, uh, last 50 meters. Um, there are a lot of, lots of aspects in that, that part of the race that, you know, are lacking for me. Last year, it was purely the lack of, um, lack of sprint endurance, the lack of training, lack of everything. Um, I would get to 50, 35 meters and just have a, a bad, a bad um, decline into the wall where my legs weren't able to keep up, my stroke rate starts to deteriorate and I'm, I'm working as hard as um, compared to the rest of the race, but I'm slowing down massively. And that was the most frustrating bit because, you know, I felt great in the water, but I just wasn't able to maintain it. Um, mostly due because I, I didn't have the work last year. I didn't have the, the January through to April training. So this year it's all about stepping up a little bit not changing it completely but just stepping up a little bit more more work more endurance you know being a bit harder on myself um, physically and but also keeping all the good habits because uh i spoke about this on one of the other podcasts but you know we use in sprinting the the phosphocreatine system which is 10 to 12 seconds and the science isn't completely right but you know roughly 10 to 12 seconds which in a 50 brings you to about 30, 35 meters. So you go through a physiological transfer from that PC, PC system to a anaerobic um, system. And my anaerobic conditioning has been good in the past, but right now it's just not there because it, that one needs a lot more work. It's, it's like the first step to training towards 100. So for me, it's really about getting into a good place so that I can push my limits on that anaerobic side which will hopefully give me the ability to to finish harder into the wall um which you know world champs commonwealth games europeans last year that was always the point it was felt great and i just start breaking down um, yeah. well you mentioned um like you said trying to improve your sprint endurance there and the anaerobic system and the training wasn't there in the past, what types of things do you envision yourself focusing on, you know, practice-wise, set-wise, to help you out those last 15 meters? Um, we have a great skeleton plan uh, that I've always followed since 
moving to James in 2017. And it's three, three simple sessions, you know, an overspeed session, uh, 50s max, max with fins, then a, a speed endurance session, which is a bunch of 25s with aerobic recovery and, and all this. And then ultra short race pace at the end of the week. So three very simple training plans. Um, and if I can just get back into doing, you know, a four week block where I can do this, that will already be far much more than I did last year. So the plan right now is, you know, we're, we're building in this February period and March up, up the load a little bit so that April, May, I can hit a good block of work. Um, yeah, and I mean, I'm 28 now and I'm not, I'm not 21 anymore. So it's understanding the body and the, the physical limits a little bit better. And I learned last year that I can quickly get to a good, good condition um, based off my history of the work I've done in the past. So if I can get that good block in, then I'd be happy uh, going into the summer of racing this year. Theoretically, do you ever think there's any a way to increase your creatine phosphate system to elongate from the, like you said, the rough standard 8 to 12 that textbooks show? Um, do we think that could be elevated a little bit longer and what implication that might have for, you know, swimming in general, at least for swimming? So I'm, I'm not an advocate for supplements, but the only thing I do supplement is creatine. Uh, in my in my diet, because that just really brings your creatine stores up to its limit. And I mean, from the science that I've read, it's it's everybody has the same limit. You know, there's only a certain amount you can store in your system. Um. So, I don't know if physiologically you can change that, but conditioning and technically you can preserve the amount of uh, energy that you use at the start. So the mention about kicking to 15 meters, that's so that you save some of that really high explosive energy for when you start swimming. So it delays everything a little bit. You know, off the dive, you're not using the same energy system as your swimming speed. The underwaters are different from your, you know, your pool. So there are elements that you can, you can play around with. And it's not a direct, it's not black and white. It's a gradual shift um, of energy systems through the race. Um, and a bit like what I was talking about, about Tony, you know, he has an amazing affinity with the water. So I think sprinting, if you can, if you can get better with the water, you have less resistance using less energy, then you can almost carry that all the way through the 50, which I think is something that I'm trying to, trying to discover for myself and trying to learn. Hell yeah. So do some rapid fire questions to finish up guys. <laughs> Elliot, what's the hardest race in swimming? 53. Ben, what's the hardest race in swimming? 203. <laughs> ben, uh, Olympic gold or world record? I don't know if I can answer. Both are, <laughs> both are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, what do you think? Olympic gold or world record? World record. Ben, do you pee in the pool? No comment. <laughs> uh, 
Elliot, what time do you think wins the 50 freestyle in Paris? Uh, 21.1. Still, oh, do you think that we'll see a 20 point before then? I think so. I mean, uh, you know, again, this comes back to the Olympic gold versus the world record. It's right. The Olympics are no easy feat. So mm -hmm. I'm going off on a talking tangent here, but you walk so much during that. There's so many so much talking and in interviews, um, whereas, you know, that's capturing that particular moment on that particular day. Right. Uh, world record lasts a long time, and I think some of these fastest 50 frees we've seen before aren't always necessarily at the Olympics because that event is a bit of a stressor. Uh, but if you're able to capture that race at that particular moment on that day to win gold, it's very special. Hmm. Ben, what's the highest lactate reading you've ever generated? I've been at 24. <laughs> 2015, I thought it'd be fun not to breathe down the first 50 of 100. And I got <laughs> and took two breaths into the wall and just carried myself home. <laughs> oh, that hurts just to listen to. <laughs> it wasn't fun. Elliot, what does Ben do better than anyone you've ever seen? Um, he's he is extremely mentally strong and can learn things quickly and is open to other things and learning. And I think that the mental strength has been very and awareness has been very impressive. Ben, what's the greatest race you've ever seen live in person? I mean, this is a very specific one because I was about two meters away from him, but it was uh, Anthony, 2016. He was lane three, I was lane two. And the only reason I knew he won is because as I touched the wall, he was ready on the lane line celebrating. And I think that was incredible. Story, everything, it was brilliant. Uh, what about you, Elliot? What's the greatest race you've ever seen in person? Uh, well, <laughs> I think my answer is the same, just because you know, I went there as a as a good friend and a supporter, and I can tell you when when Anthony dove in and his feet went in the water at the same time as everybody else, we already started running down, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, unbelievable what that guy could do and i know that he had a great start in that race and he had a good start at trials you know for him but no matter what to come from behind uh where he surfaces yeah unbelievable so much fun to watch um well elliot do you guys do social kick in the ocean social kick in the ocean we do a lot of socializing in the ocean. <laughs> we do <laughs> We're usually our faces in the water and like oh, 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 shark, but uh, <laughs> uh, we spend a lot of time under the water and then we'll, you know, a lot of time free diving. Then we'll come up and talk about what we just saw and things like that. I would love that kind of social cake. Ben, when, uh, uh, when's your next trip to Hawaii? Hopefully soon. <laughs> Hopefully I'll he's got to leave first. I don't know if he's ever going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hardest part. 
it's your it's your duty once you come to Hawaii and you have this experience that you go out in the world and you spread the aloha. Oh yeah. All right, well, that's a good place to end it. Um guys, thanks so much for the chat. Really fun to get to to get to hear about what you're doing and um a lot about the operation of the the brilliance of the mentality of elite sprinting. So uh you know, and, and what it takes to get your mind ready to do that for the next cycle. Thanks. Thanks very much for the conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thank you. And you guys come out anytime. I'll, I'll deal. <laughs> yeah. All right. Right on. All right. That's it for this episode of social kick. We'll see you next time. Hey everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying social kick, tell your friends about it and be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick, and you can find all of our content on our website,